Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. The Theatre Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? On the podcast today from Melbourne, Australia, our co-artistic directors, Woody Miller, and myself in Cairo, Egypt. This podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Adam. Hey, Booty. How you going? Opening night. Opening night. Opening I, night. <laughs> I can see <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, 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 t- well, tell us about opening night. What is opening night like for you in Egypt? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're not there yet, but if it's anything like it has been the last couple of days, it'll be complete chaos and pandemonium. Uh, and then somehow it'll all just come together at the last moment, which is almost, wow. which is almost disappointing because, uh, you know, like you, you don't learn from that. If, if it all comes together and works at the end after the pandemonium, then you don't yeah. learn to stop doing the pandemonium and chaos. You just go, well, it all comes together. It's a miracle. And well, is the pandemonium and chaos a cultural thing? Uh, partly, I would say half of it is. I'd say the other part is just um, they can get away with it. I mean, I don't know. It's it's. <laughs> I don't think okay, it's necessary. So, so what are you and, calling pandemonium? What are you calling pandemonium and chaos? Okay, so I'll give you an example. Like when when I'm giving notes or whenever there's. Uh, a question that needs to be asked. There's somebody that will come up to me and ask a question. And then there's somebody that will come in front of them and ask a question before I get a chance to answer that question. <laughs> and then there'll be somebody who else, else who comes up and stands in front of them. Literally, I'm not, I'm not making it, I'm not making a metaphorical thing here and come and stand in front of them and ask a question as well. And all three of them will, <laughs> will then ask the question over each other and talk over each other and expect me to have remembered what the first question was. So then uh, magnify that by about 35, 40 people in the space. And sometimes these are people who <laughs> have just do- joined t- today because uh, somebody in the run crew dropped out. Wait, somebody wait a minute. Somebody make it. Are so you opening just... tonight? Yeah, we're opening tonight. Yes. And somebody just joined today? Yeah, exactly. This, this is the pandemonium and chaos. So then they have to be taught everything quickly. And then I still need to work this one section, but there is no silent time. There is no dark time in the theater because you have a new person that needs to learn the the movement. 
And oh, then, Lord, Adam, and the, the, this is your worst nightmare. The musicians never get to to do a sound check. So wow, sometimes this must the guitar's fun. This is not. Oh my fun. god, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> this is <not> chaos. Fun. <laughs> chaos, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, chaos killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Well. There you go. We have eight years, and chaos will kill us as well. That's <laughs> <laughs> eight years left. Eight years eight left, years y'all. Left. Remember that. Eight years left. Eight yep. years left. Well, I'm just chillaxing. <laughs> you look like it. You look like like nothing is bothering you. That's great. <laughs> well, Obama, it's it's play date day for Obama, so he just gets back from his crew, and he's like, he is beat. He comes back, and he's just like sleeps. He's like. He le- he runs out the door. I don't exist, and he comes home, and I don't exist. Like Tuesdays and Thursdays, I don't exist. <laughs> That's great. That's okay. Yeah, he's got a, he's got his own life. You know, he's got his own thing. You know, it's yeah. important that he has his own life, and he, yeah. he he leads his own life. You know, he, yeah. he needs to he needs to establish he needs to establish his own identity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has that. He definitely has it, and apparently, he's got. He, I mean, he's a legend. Like the 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 dog walker was like, "Oh, we ran into someone, and they knew Obama." Of course, yeah. And the person's like, "Is that Obama?" His name precedes him. Yes, his I n- told you he's a leader among pups. He's his his notoriety is known. He's yes. known, baby. He's known. He's known. <laughs> 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 so, how's fan? Uh, she's also sleeping off a play date as well. Um, <laughs> uh, she's good. She's good. She's, um, she's taking lots of classes, trying to be known amongst the community here in yoga. And she started doing, uh, pole dancing and she started doing, but I saw some, some pictures. So she's teaching, is she teaching yoga? Cause I saw she was, uh, is that like with those free sessions, she's showing people how to exactly how, how so, amazing she is yeah so she's trying to get i mean you know she's new here nobody knows her it's it's a different language um so she's trying to put herself out there and uh get known in the region or in the in the city so she's giving away some free classes and awesome. she's doing the, she's doing the online thing she's doing some workshops uh anything to kind of um yeah to be known so She's doing that. She's like I said. She's going to pole dance classes, and she's hoping to make friends there that may want to ch- come in. Acro yoga, silks, things like that. She's she's just kind of putting herself wow. out there in all those different <laughs> places to try and find people who may be interested in what she, uh, what she's selling, what she's doing. So acro yoga is really fun. I love yeah. acro yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's great at that. And so yeah, she's uh she's sleeping off her play date from the pole class <laughs> that went late last night. <laughs> So your wife is sleeping off her play date from her pole dancing. Yes. Yes. I tried to keep her off the pole, but, you know, she's on that pole. She's on that pole. Did you ever, did you ever think that you would marry a pole dancer? Um, no, no. Um, uh, I've only had two experiences going to a place where there is a pole that I would sit there and watch somebody on a pole do something uh there were both awkward experiences uh that i never thought i would go back to um but yeah here we go she yeah asked she asked yesterday can we install a pole in the living room oh my god oh my god <laughs> why I thought, not i thought I, I gotta draw the line somewhere right i mean really <laughs> really 
I mean, is that a, is that a focal point in the living room to talk about? It's like we, we no longer have fireplaces and TVs. We now have a pole. Like that's just going to be a well, pole in the of, middle of the room. But this is the thing: you don't make cocktails anymore. You can have people just get on the pole. Yeah, I, I imagine the pole is just going to be there, and, and ain't nobody going to be on it at any point in time. We're just going to have a pole in the middle of the room. Yeah, and then someone's going to swing from it and hurt themselves, and then you have to like call the police and call the yeah. doctor and call and the I'm ambulance. liable, and then I've got to go to jail, and it's an Egyptian jail, and those aren't really good yeah. things, and then I'm deported. And you don't and speak don't any other job. language other than English. Yeah, you only speak exactly. English. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah, I end up homeless, and uh, I yeah. have to go on the pole And in myself. the ghetto. And in the ghetto. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah. Well, this is the thing. Maybe you'll get a butt if you start working the pole. Uh, there's no promise there. There's no promise there. There's, <laughs> it's genetics, genetics. It's, wait, 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 it's wait. so, I'm, I'm at such a negative in that department that uh, <laughs> even if I work it, I'd only just be at zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely a new version of a black hole. It's like, where's Adam's ass? It's like a, it's yeah. like a void, a void a, of yeah. nothing. It's a concave. It's a concavity of whiteness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Speaking of well, white you know, culture from our last our last uh, episode. Speaking of white culture. <laughs> well, well. Speaking of speaking of the void, you know, it's like Adam has no ass. We have no atmosphere. There we go. There it is. It's all connected together, folks. If we only just band together as a community, we can solve both of those problems. Well, maybe if we stopped, like, buying plastic, you'd have more space for your butt. But then what would Egypt be made up of if there was no plastic? <laughs> well, aren't the pyramids, is that what they use the pyramids for? Do they stuff the pyramids with plastic? No, they, they, they didn't have plastic at the time, but I imagine if they did, they would start with the plastic <laughs> bags that are just floating through the desert at all times. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. What are we going to do about this environment? What are we going to do about this planet? What are we going to do? Create. Yeah. 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 I, think we yeah. Need to make, I think we need to make a new kind of theater. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Is that a segue? It is a segue, and it's a working segue. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my God, I have two in a row. Last one, I had a good segue, and this one, another good segue. Hey, you know, it, it's, it's taken me 90 episodes. There you go. Yeah, but exactly. now I actually know what a segue is. <laughs> it's not just that thing that kills people when you fall off of it in Florida. <laughs> it's, not, it's not where you get your hired rent-a-cop. <laughs> yes, your Paul Blart mall cop isn't, isn't on our segues. Our segues make sense now. Do they have segways in Egypt? Uh, there's not flat enough ground in Egypt for there to be segways. Can you imagine? Can you imagine someone chasing you in a segway in Egypt? No. They'd have to have different kinds of wheels. They'd have to have like those like be a four two by, by four, four wheels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and the segway. <laughs> yeah. People drive around in four by fours here in ATVs. That's, that's the fun yeah, part. I bet. Just down the I street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about today? That was such a, an amazing segue. All right. So you came to me yesterday and said, hey, let's talk about Skin of Our Teeth, the show that I'm opening tonight. And, and I was like, ugh, I don't want to talk about Skin of Our Teeth. But I was in the middle of reading an article from The Guardian by uh, Nigerian poet and writer uh, Ben Okri. And mm-hmm. he was 
he was the kind of the closing speech at the COP26 in Glasgow, the environmental conference that they had. And uh, they, they, they published it in The Guardian yesterday. And I was reading it and it was... Mm. And we right. have a really great book called yeah. uh, Prayer for the Living. That's an awesome book. I highly yeah. recommend that one as well. Yeah. And um, he kind of gave this speech and they printed it. And it was right on par with kind of what I was trying to do with Skin of Our Teeth, kind of what you're working on, and I'm, I will be working on soon, I promise. Um, kind of what we have been <laughs> talking about a lot. And that is, obviously, it's the environment, but it's also, what does it mean to create at the end of the world? And he wrote this amazing, he gave this amazing speech, which calls for existential creativity. And so what is existential creativity? Well, why don't we just read the article? Because, I mean, I think, I think Ben Okri's words, uh, I mean, I'm not about to improve Ben Okri's words. I mean, he's an he's a award-winning playwright and poet and writer. So um, I'm just going to read the article. Why don't we just read the article? So uh, faced with the state of the world. And the depth of denial, faced with the data that keeps falling on us, faced with the sense that we are on a ship heading toward an abyss while the party on board gets louder and louder, I have found it necessary to develop an attitude and a mode of writing that I refer to as existential creativity. This is the creativity at the end of time. It is not given to many people to sense the end of time approaching. Maybe some Atlanteans sensed it, maybe the sages of Pompeii, if there were any, felt it in advance. Maybe those ancient civilizations whose societies were about to be wrecked by invaders from the sea felt it. But I can't think of any who had the data that it was coming, who had the facts pouring at them every day, and yet who carried on as if nothing, as if everything were normal. Albert Camus, writing during the Second World War, felt the need for a new philosophy to answer the extreme truths of the times. The absurd was born from it. Existentialism was born, too, from a world in the throes of extreme crisis. But here we are on the edges of the biggest crisis that has ever been faced, and we need a new philosophy for these times, for this near-terminal moment in the history of the human. It is out of this I want to propose an existential creativity. How do I define it? It is the creativity wherein nothing should be wasted. As a writer, it means everything I write should be directed to the immediate end of drawing attention to the dire position we are in as a species. It means that the writing must have no frills. It should speak only truth. In it, the truth must be also beauty. It calls for the highest economy. It means that everything I do must have a singular purpose. It also means that I must write now as if these are the last things I will write, that any of us will write. If you knew you were at the last days of the human story, what would you write? How would you write it? What would your aesthetics be? Would you use more words than necessary? What form would poetry truly take? And what would happen to humor? Would we be able to laugh with the sense of the last days on us? Sometimes I think we must be able to imagine the end of things so that we can imagine how we will come through that which we imagine. Of the things that trouble me most, the human inability to imagine its end ranks very high. It means that there is something in the human makeup resistant to terminal contemplation. How else can one explain the refusal of ordinary, good-hearted citizens to face the realities of climate change? If we don't face them, we won't change them. And if we don't change them, we will not put things in motion that would prevent them. And so our refusal to face them will make happen the very thing we don't want to happen. 
We have to find a new art and a new psychology to penetrate the apathy and the denial that are preventing us making the changes that are inevitable if our world is to survive. We need a new art to waken people both to the enormity of what is looming and the fact that we can still do something about it. The ability to imagine what we dread most is an evolutionary tool that nature has given us to transcend what we fear. I do not believe that imagining the worst makes it happen. Imagining the worst might be one of the factors that makes us prevent it from happening. That is the function of dystopias and utopias. One, to make real to us a destination we must not follow. The other, to imagine for us a future that is possible. Fear of poverty has made many people rich. Fear of death has kept many people healthy and sensible in how they live. There is a time for hope, and there is a time for realism. But what is needed now is beyond hope and realism. This is a time when we ought to dedicate ourselves to bringing about the greatest shift in human consciousness and in the way we live. We ought to consecrate ourselves to bringing about a conscious evolutionary leap forward. No longer can we be the human beings we have been, wasteful, thoughtless, selfish, destructive. It is now time for us to be the most creative we have ever been, the most farsighted, the most practical, the most conscious and selfless. The stakes have never been and will never be higher. What is called for here is a special kind of love for the world. The love for those who discover the sublime value of life because they are about to lose it. For we are on the verge of losing this most precious and beautiful of worlds. A miracle in all the universe. A home for the evolution of souls. A little paradise here in the richness of space where we are meant to live and grow and be happy, but which we are day by day turning into a barren stone in space. So a new existentialism is called for. Not the existentialism of Camus and Jean-Paul Sartre, negative and stoical in spirit, but a brave and visionary existentialism, where as artists we dedicate our lives to nothing short of redreaming society. We have to be strong dreamers. We have to ask unthinkable questions. We have to go right to the roots of what makes us such a devouring species, overly competitive, conquest-driven, hierarchical. We ought to ask questions about money, power, Hunger. The scientists tell us that fundamentally there is enough for everyone. This earth can sustain us. We can't just ask the shallow questions anymore. Our whys ought to go to the core of what we are. Then we ought to set about changing us. We ought to remake ourselves. Somehow civilization has taken a wrong turn and we collectively need to alter our destination, our journey. We can't drive ourselves to the brink of extinction a second time. If we survive this brink, if we pull ourselves back from this apocalypse that's awaiting, then we have to find a global direction that is one of sustenance and justice and beauty for the whole earth and for all the peoples of the earth. This is the best and most natural home we are ever going to have, and we need to become a new people to deserve it. We are going to have to be artists to redream it. This is why I propose existential creativity to serve the unavoidable truth of our times and a visionary existentialism to serve the future that we must bring about from the brink of an environmental catastrophe. We can only make a future from the depth of the truth we face now. 
So if we think of existentialism as we kind of know it from the Jean-Paul Sartre and Camus world, where after World War II, when the, uh, the atom bomb has been invented and we have the ability to annihilate a large portion of the population, there's this sense of, well, what are we doing? Why are we here? Are we alone in this universe? Is there a purpose to life? That kind of... Is that where dark... existential crisis comes from? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that kind of... It's, it's, but that existentialism is, is, is dark. It's brooding. Mm. It's, it's, you know, navel-gazing inward. And what, what Ben Okri is suggesting is existential creativity. If we can agree, or even if we can't agree, that the end of the world is nigh, <laughs> are we going to give up and not do anything? Or mm-hmm. are we going to sing? Are we going to dance? Are we going and to tell down. the story? And slow down and I, tell the story yeah. of humanity. I think that was the thing I loved the most about the article, yeah. was he was talking about slowing down. And I think that was, and that totally connects to, you know, I keep bringing back that our episode of vulnerability, but that was really about slowing down. Yeah. You know, we get so fast and we're, you know, you know, you get information so quickly and you get to express yourself so quickly on such a, a broad um, global scale that sometimes people just need to fucking pause. <laughs> Slow the fuck down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I think that uh, if we were to replace crisis with creativity, existential creativity yeah. is a bold move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, a, and a, a unique way of rethinking everything that we're doing, not, a, not in, in terms of the shows that we're creating, uh, how we create the shows, but also with the training that goes into the shows as well of saying like, if we operated under the assumption that we did have eight years left, mm-hmm. how would we change it? How would we do it all differently now? And that's what we kind of started the podcast doing of saying like, here was, you know, the, 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 the COVID-19 shutdown and pandemic was, was a precursor. Was, it, was, was, you know, the universe saying, nature telling us, like, stop, pause, slow down. And mm-hmm. we tried to start the podcast and rethink the company of going like, okay, well, what do we talk about? Who do we talk to? Who mm-hmm. needs to be heard? Uh, how are we going to make it? But what if we actually said, uh, it is, it's going to end in eight years. We have eight years left. Mm-hmm. What do we do? What what are, well, that's do? the that's the bold offer to our listeners. What are you going to do? You got eight years left. What kind of theater yeah. are you going to make? What kind yeah. of what kind of what kind of plays are you going to write? Yeah. What kind of plays do you want to direct? How are you going to present them? How are you going to put them up? Where are you going to put them up? Who gets and to what see stories them? need to be told? I mean, yeah. like, what stories need to be told? What stories have not been told yet? I mean, like, so, I, like, you know, I think, I think, I think the the bold offer that we're making today is, you know, carpe diem. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't yes. mean from the um, I'm going to let my ego drive me. I'm going, but it's actually go the other way. Sit back and daydream. And see where the daydream takes you. And ride the dream. Mm. As opposed to try to force exactly how you want to see it. Trust that your body actually knows where it wants to be and how it wants to be. And listen to what, and listen to what it's saying. If what you're doing is tell, and your body is telling you, get the fuck out. 
Go away from this place. Get away. Listen to it. And if you can't do it immediately, figure out how you can do it within the next eight years. Because if you only got eight years left, baby, you know, you better get find something to do. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to release this because then it, I don't want to jinx it. Um, you got to speak it, it into existence. Fuck also. it. I'm going to speak it into existence. So, y'all, the PhD is almost done. But, you know, I'm not going to give you the date because the last thing I need is people are like, hey, congratulations. And I'll be like, I have another chapter to write. But look, <laughs> the PhD is almost done. Yeah. I mean, and by almost done means like, we got months to go. Um, then what? <laughs> and actually, look, this is the thing. It took me eight years to do this PhD. <laughs> oh, God. It did. Can you believe it? It's amazing. It's been eight years, Adam. It's going to be eight years. By the time I submit this document, it will have been eight years. Eight years. So that's the magic number. And, you know, the Chinese were right. That number eight is very important. It's a power number. Um, And so get off your ass, motherfuckers. What you going to do? What you going to do? No time. There's no time like the present. You know, yeah. no more puling and whining. If you don't like what if you don't like what you're seeing, then get up and do something about it. Amen. Because if you're Amen. not going to do something about it, then you know it's not going to happen. Because it takes time to actually bring things into the physical realm. Yeah. Daydreaming is one thing, right? Falling back in, 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 in and and expanding into that that sense of creative truth that you that you as an artist want to live in. But then you have to let the universe respond to that energy. And that takes time. And the more you sit back and go, you know, I wish I could. I wish I did. I, I hope I could. I hope I can. I wish I can. I think I can. No, just do baby steps moving forward into doing, into bringing those realities into your physical life, you know, because it's con- conceptual versus tangible. Conceptual means it's stuck in your head. Tangible means you can physically touch it. Yeah. So bring your conceptual dreams into tangible realities. And you got to be specific on what you want. Mm. Because if you're not specific on what you want, you might get it, but it'll not be the way, the way you want it to, do, to, do, to be. And then, 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 then you're going to be in a, a situation where you, you don't know what to do. Yeah. But what, I, what, I'm, what I'm really trying to say is that there's no time like the present. Always, always. And you really got to look at the situation in the sense of like, everyone is improvising. Yeah. There's not one person on this planet that's not improvising. The planet itself is improvising, trying to fucking survive us human fucking beings. You know, the, the experiment that it tried, tried us out that it's really going, fuck, what the hell did I do? Letting these human beings take over this planet. It's an improvisation. There's also that. There's also that. that that's the sense, this feeling that every once in a while the planet tries to give us a little jolt of like saying, "Hey, guys, wake up!" You know, like last year. Last year was that sense of of us pause, stop, listen, slow down. You know, w- let me heal. And there may be times, you know, that it, that the planet is trying to give us a little like. I'm going to fuck you up if you don't stop this. <laughs> like, just, just calm the fuck down. But, it's, but the thing is, there's just so much stupidity. And it's like, 
that's just the very nature of human beings. Human beings are yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, if you look at history, his story, we don't even go there. Human beings are fucking dumb. Over and over again, we see how stupid we are. Yeah. You know, and if you want to if you want to play with the game of life, make some choices and take a chance. Live it. Yeah. Fear is a be- fear is not an option. Fear is not an option anymore. <laughs> it's not an option anymore. You know what I mean? It's, got, it's like fear is not an option. You know, it's like, and, and, and yeah. you know, and if you're making if you're making your money through fear, that's that dirty money. That's right. I don't want that coal money. You want to have that clean, mean, empathetic cash, <laughs> Christine. You don't want that coal mm, money. Mm, mm, you mm. want that say. You want that solar money. You want that wind meal. What? Meal. What? You want that <laughs> electric car. Reality. You want to turn out your theater in a way that it is reusable. <laughs> we used to say repeatable. Now we want to say reusable. reusable very good. Exactly. Very good acting is reusable. <laughs> reusable acting. I don't want that. Uh, that single use acting. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like not not that, not that single use acting where you where you take the where you take it and you put it in a, be, in, in, a in a drawer in the kitchen so that you can use it as a trash bag later on. Not that single use acting. No, 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 no. <laughs> Well, that's personality acting. You got to go to the grocery acting. store with that acting. That's the personality <laughs> acting, right? The single use acting. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I think we need to go on a break. I think we need to go on a break yep. and then come back um, and continue this conversation. But I actually don't know how we're going to continue this conversation. I, I think we're pretty clear about what the fuck needs to happen. I want to know how is this. Well, a, what, what, you got something? Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, uh, we can talk about a little bit of, of how I've tried to do that with this show. And how... I was just about to say that. Good. So we're on the, we're on the same. We are on the same wavelength. Imagine yeah. that. Okay. Imagine that. <laughs> Take it away, purple planet, 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 existential planet. And we're back. Thank you, Purple Planet. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, we only have eight years left, but you're spending so much time on getting into these breaks every Look, single time with like Purple I said, Planet. If we only got eight years left, I'm gonna make sure I get my notes in. I gotta get my I gotta get my bars in. I'm gonna get my bars in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um what play are you directing? So I'm directing Thornton Wilder's Skin of Our Teeth, and yeah. it's, it's a great show. It's so well-written and so ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I remember reading this when I was like, I don't know, 16 or 17, and I thought, what a crazy, stupid, weird play from mm-hmm. 1942, mm-hmm. because it was so 
not like anything that had ever been around and was not, it was not like something that had come around for another 20 or so years. Mm-hmm. It was so ahead of its time. And <clears throat> it works. It works now. It worked mm-hmm. then. It'll work 100 years from now if we're still, if we're still around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the play is going to so, say as well. <laughs> exactly. So if, if you don't know uh, the play, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, play by Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Thornton Wilder. Everybody probably knows Our Town, probably one of his yeah, best Town. known that's, play, which he yeah. also won the Pulitzer for. Yeah. Um, and that play is boring as hell. I have never liked that play. Sorry. It can be. It can be boring. I have never, is, ever seen a production of that play that I liked. I have. I have. But it's, it's rare because it's mostly done by high schools because it's inoffensive. <laughs> um, but this one, Skin of Our Teeth, is not boring. It, it's so wild and anachronistic and, and the style and genre changes every couple of pages that mm-hmm. it's, it's so out of left field. I don't know how it was successful in 1942. Yeah. I really don't. Because it's it's very difficult play even now to kind of pull off. It's the story of a family, an American family, just a kind of a nuclear family um, that is surviving the Ice Age, the Flood, and war. Each act is a different existential crisis. Mm. Um, and it is... Like I said, it's anachronistic in that it takes place in ancient times. Like, there's a mammoth and a dinosaur in the first act as mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a biblical flood. Um, and then it goes to, to war at the end. And it's, it's so wildly crazy that um, it's a comedy, but it's a dark comedy at the same time. Um, and it's a beautiful play. It's, it's poetic and lovely and crazy and full of all kinds of places where, as a director, you can go wild. And do all the crazy things you want to do, full of really lovely monologues for an actor to sink their teeth into a designer's heaven with all the things they can do. And I chose the play, uh, it's the 125th anniversary of Thornton Wilder's birth, so this is a special year. Happy birthday, Um, Thornton Wilder. Yeah. Um, And I chose it because, uh, initially I chose it just for the simple reason of... I was worried that we might have to go into lockdown again, and I needed something that we could possibly stream. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It, long-time listeners will, will know that I had originally chose Mr. Burns, the post-electric yeah. play. Yes. Which would not work on a Zoom online medium if we... Yeah, because it's literally... Go- yeah, exactly. It's post-electric. <laughs> yeah. So, I wanted, to, I wanted to do something that we could, if we needed to go back into lockdown, we could do, and so I had an idea for that. Um, but I also still wanted to play with similar themes that were in Mr. Burns, mm. which is the end of the world and how we as a human species survive that, or if we do. Um, and so from the very beginning, choosing this play, I knew I also wanted our production model to be sustainable mm-hmm. and working with a really fantastic set designer uh this uh his name is kurt enderley he uh is a sonographer but he has been working in stop motion animation like he worked on um paranorman isle of dogs he just finished guillermo del toro's pinocchio like he's he's a he's an art director he's an art director and he's beautiful so i wanted to do something sustainable so i said to him uh 
this all needs to be made from trash. The entire set needs to be made beautiful and needs to be made sustainable from trash. Things that we find here. I love it. And it's a thing where... Did you get a hold of those people that collect the trash? <laughs> no, the Zabaline. No, I, didn't, I did not uh, contact them because they do not want to give away their trash. They want to recycle their trash and make oh, money off yeah, of it. Yeah, that's money. But this is a thing. Like uh, Egypt is a desert. It's a giant desert with a lot of wind. And the desert is beautiful. But the desert is full of plastic bags. Mm. And because this country has no really kind of natural water resources, everything's in plastic bottles. So the amount of plastic here is just Holy disheartening. Cow. And I'm talking, and when I say like, wow. like you'll drive through the desert and you'll just see this like kind of shiny, like glimmer through the desert. You think how beautiful that is. And then you realize the shiny glimmer is plastic, plastic bottles. Ew. Exactly. Ew. So I, I, it's not, it's not me saying like, oh, God. I, you know, I want to use what is naturally available to us here, but it's a thing of saying everybody sees it every single day. And I want people to see it in a different way that we can make something from it. We can use this. Don't just discard it. Don't just throw it on the ground. We can recycle this into something beautiful. Um, Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Oh, do, I, do you have photos? Are you going to put photos up on the on the website? Uh, of the maybe. I'll see. I don't know. I don't know. Because, well, let me get to the end of the story about... Uh, oh, no. So That's right. Chaos. Yeah, this is the, this, <laughs> this is the chaos. chaos. So, <laughs> no, no. so Kurt designed this set to be made out of cardboard boxes, plastic water bottles, and plastic bags. And the drawings... Sound beautiful. beautiful. Gorgeous. Amazing. Until one day we came to the theater to see the technicians had bought cases of water bottles and were <gasps> dumping the water <sighs> out for the plastic bottles. I'm just going to leave this pause here for our listeners to comprehend what has just happened. Oh my, my, my jaw. Like, uh, uh. They had bought cases of water and were dumping the water out for the plastic bottles. Oh, stop, stop it. It's, that's just violent. That's violence. Ugh. Yeah. That's horrible. Ugh. Adam. <sighs> Who didn't get the memo? Well, the thing is, is... It's not seen as a problem. Nobody wants. Nobody Wait, wants to. So do you expected them? Did you expect them? To, do you expect them to go and find the yes, the bottles in the sand? No, I wanted them to go to the recycling. We have recycling on campus. We all have plastic water bottles. I I was having the cast save their plastic water bottles, so the cast was all in. The cast was in on it, but to do the exact opposite. But still, yeah. To that's... further my this is the thing my production. Is furthering the problem. The set is furthering the problem. Because instead of recycling cardboard boxes, they went out and bought cardboard boxes. Instead of recycling plastic water bottles, they bought plastic water bottles and then dumped the water out on the ground. They didn't even save the water, they just dumped it out on the ground into the desert, just out in the sand. I don't, you know, it's. Theater is such a wasteful medium, but <laughs> this show, what a wasteful show this show has been. I have just furthered the problem. 
the message isn't going to get across. I mean, we had we had a little bit of we had an audience last night in our final dress, and one of the first things that I heard somebody in the audience say was, "Oh wow, this entire set's been recycled." So cool, the message got out, but it wasn't recycled. It was bought. I'm so speechless. Every single day. It's very rare that you, it's very rare, listeners, that you get me to shut up. Every single day. And be speechless. Every single I'm, day. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. <laughs> I had a great idea. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you should, you should. So how can we turn this lemon into lemonade? <laughs> oh God, I don't know. I don't know. The idea was there. The cre- the existential creativity was there. I was trying to solve a problem. It's gonna, but it's it's. This is the thing: is this is a, and I'm not just talking about Egypt. It's an it's a worldwide cultural shift that has to happen. There has to be an understanding. Yeah. There, there. I mean, it's a thing of like. If you don't use plastic straws, you're not saving the environment because you're one person. If you change your light bulbs, it's not enough to save the environment. Everybody has to do it. But the problem is, everybody's not going to do it. One person at a time is going to do it. So there's that, there's that caveat of saying like, well, if I use a plastic straw or if I use a plastic bag, if I stop using it, I'm not doing much of a difference. But it's not just you. It's you and your partner, and your best friend, and the neighbor next door, and all those people. And then one person has to lead to the next person has to lead to the next person has to lead to, then we have a societal change. But if I don't have the idea to do this, then I don't point out the fact that they don't understand what I'm talking about. So now it's my job to then reinforce, teach, provide a different model, and fight for the next show that I do, this doesn't happen. The next show after that. I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's like, it's like, I think people, the problem is there's just so much conflicting information out there that no one knows what the fuck is right. No one knows exactly what is recyclable. No one knows where the recycling is going. No one knows, no one knows what happens with the food wastage. And, and no one understands that the food, I was just watching this documentary here about food wastage, about like food that, Farmers are throwing a perfectly, perfectly good food, yeah. fresh, 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 like bananas, yeah. for example, that are green. They're having them ripe, but if they are not, if they're too curved, they throw yeah. them out. Yeah. And there's and it's like and so it's not even reaching the supermarkets. Meanwhile, people are starving, and it's like. Meanwhile, people around the world, there's enough food for everyone. Yeah. And first of all, I think, I think ugly fruit is more attractive than perfect looking fruit, actually. Perfect look, perfectly looking fruit, perfect looking fruit looks like it looks, it looks fake. fake. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, look, I think, I think the biggest thing is like, no one knows what's right. No one knows what's right. Because that's what I was just looking at with this, this documentary I was watching as well. I was like, it was, it was just a, it was a expose on 
the wastage here in Australia because you know we got the worst report card mm-hmm. you know in in on on the planet for what we're doing about the environment and there's this guy that was like that's really pushing for us to as people that live in Australia to be better at understanding the wastage that 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 we are contributing to um and he started with the food and then he went into the kind of waste that we have and 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 uh, there were things that are that could be recycled, and he like took a neighborhood's bins and like separated them and had brought the community. And, and what was the, and and this is the thing: it's like Australians are up mm-hmm. for it. And what, and and it was really clear. Like this one woman said, but like if somebody, if someone said, can we find out where it's going? If it's if it's actually happening, that's mm-hmm. the first thing. And the other thing was the other thing was like tell us what to do, tell us how to mm-hmm. do it, and we'll yeah. do it. We're happy. We're happy to make those concessions. We're happy to make those concessions, but there's just so much politics and rhetoric against it, for it. Like, I'm, and you don't know. Like, I've, I've had moments where I'll try to recycle something, and and Akshay, he's so you know, he's always so much more read up on these kind of scenarios with me. He's like, no, 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 because it has this, this on the the paper, you can't really recycle the paper because it's got the wax on the paper, and it's like all this stuff. And it's like, first of all, why are people making? paper products that can't be recycled. I, that's for me, I don't yeah. understand. You know, so it's so it's it's a it's a complicated affair. And then you get and then you get into a developing country like where you are and and, it, and I'm sure that the intentions were all like for it to be done of the course. right way. I don't you know? I don't fault and, them you know, for I don't want to say ignorance. This isn't I mean and, and by ignorance I'm not using it in the pejorative sense that that we all now use the word ignorance but ignorance in the in the actual meaning which is not knowing not knowing the intent and then not knowing where to get it and then not knowing um uh, that this is a a, a a real problem that we're trying to solve so not ignorant like oh he's ignorant you know not not that but but in terms of like literally yeah but where was the communication breakdown yeah. where was the communication breakdown that's the that's the question it's like where what and that's the thing it's like you can't assume that people understand your narrative and intention i think that's the biggest exactly. learning thing for you is like wow i thought we were all on the same page clearly i'm not i need to spell this shit out yes. because that's a big mistake yeah. Yeah, it really is. The spelling out uh, is is something I'm definitely learning uh, here, and that's that's again, that's uh, cultural, that's that's narrative, that's language, that's intentionality, that's that's all kinds of things. But nobody, you know, there, like I said before in a previous previous podcast, there is no trash pickup. Community, a community on its own, decided to be the trash pickup because the government wasn't doing it. And they have created an entire living off of that. So there is not an inborn sense of preservation, of saving, of recycling, of reusing. A small sect of the population decided to do that and decided to make money off of it in in, in a really creative way. So, See, I think that's interesting because there's a different kind of emotionality around what that is. Because they might might even think that it's so filthy that they, they, they don't want to deal with that concept of making a set that's that filthy i mean like you there's it's a it's a big bold um uh, emotional <laughs> offering that you're trying to make but like i know when i think about it it's like if it, if if it's like it's it's garbage why why would we put garbage on the set why would we use garbage 
to make the set, you know, and it's like, and is that garbage going to be clean enough to be able to make the set? Do I have to clean up that garbage to make the set? You know, there's, there's all these variables that I think, you know, is a really good learning lesson for, for, for the whole team. Yeah. You know, even the, the the designer, the designer should have had, you know, had the foresight and, and understanding the cultural the cultural narrative of being able to communicate what he needs on that set, you know? I would say he did. I would say there were lots of conversations and then there was also not wanting to do things. Who's your, pro- your production manager? Who's the, you production know? Production manager. So, so, yeah. Production manager, what's that? Oh. Oh, Lord. Do you have, do you, so then do you have, do you have a, um, uh, a production manager realizer. <laughs> uh, I think we are all production manager realizers on this project. I call shade. I call shade. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, I, I I wish you all the luck in the world with this production. I hope it, it turns out to be something quite eventful and, and the students learn because it's the most, most important thing is that they 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 learn from this and they grow from this you know that's the most important thing it is a good show it's not a great show it's a good show though <laughs> it's a good show it's not a great show you you would watch this show and you would you would really be hard pressed to go this is an adam marple show They're wearing shoes. I'll tell you, they're wearing shoes. This is, it's not, it's not a show. I couldn't get away with them not having shoes on. <laughs> well, maybe it's too dirty to wear half shoes. It's, we're not in a fucking dust bowl. I mean, too dirty to not wear <laughs> shoes. I don't know. Maybe it's also a cultural thing. Maybe you wear shoes. What? No. They, they literally take their shoes off five times a day to pray. What are you talking about where they wear shoes? True. true. That's true. That's very true. No, it's... Maybe they need shoes in the, at the end of the world. That's how you get out quicker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you can beat the flood. You know, if, if, if you're running out and the flood is chasing you, you need shoes. So they're method actors. Yes. Yes, they're all method actors. That's that's what I would say. They're method actors. That's the, <laughs> that's the issue. <laughs> oh God. Oh well, I think we need to take a break. Yeah. He's got the real depressing real fast. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to complain about my show. We were talking about cre- we were talking about existential creativity. And unfortunately, <laughs> some disappointment is going to be a part of that. But I'm not giving up. I'm well, not. It happened. I'm okay. not stopping. But see, it happened. It happened because of something really important. There was the recycling issue. The issue. That's where. That's where we went down, and then it, we lost. We lost the script on that because it's. It's. It's real. Yeah. That's a real. That's a real concern of ours, and so I think that's that's why we lost the script. You know, because it's like. It's like two steps forward, nine hundred fifty million steps back. You know, it's like 
And it's hard. It's hard because when we're looking about this existential creativity, we're trying to find a new narrative. And finding a new narrative requires a lot more community mm. effort. And if the community is not engaged, it's like beating your head up against the mm. wall. And if it's if this if it's if the ignorance has been institutionalized, which it has around the world, it becomes even it becomes an even bigger challenge to 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 break it because it's 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 literally written in the laws and it's in the system of thought and you know it it, it and it, it's getting too late mm. it's it's getting too late you know and the, this it's not a con eight years left is not a concept eight years left is a call to action yeah. and this stuff gets really daunting and it's upsetting and it hurts so i think that's you know y'all that are listening that's really where where we ended up in that that pit because i'm sure you feel the same way it's like i mean fuck man fuck what do we do and i think that's really where we can move into provocations because i need i i you know that's the call to action y'all it's like uh, let's take a break and then come back with some provocations because i really need some call to action i need y'all to i need y'all to chime mm. in I need y'all to call. I need y'all to send us some emails. Y'all need to like chime in and 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 add to this conversation because mm. we got eight years left. And it, it, if anything, if this podcast is anything to you, it, it, let's open up a conversation because Adam and I are at, at our wits' end. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> we don't lost our damn minds. Yeah. Oh, clearly. <laughs> clearly, 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 clearly. Okay, so let's uh, take it away, Purple Planet, and then come back with some provocations. And we're back with provocations, Monsieur. Do you have any provocations, Mattel? I don't, I don't know if I have a provocation. I mean, obviously, read the article by Ben Okri. Uh, it's in the show notes. Really mm. check it out. It's a fantastic read. It's really inspiring. It's not depressing like our podcast today, but it is inspiring in the way that we try to be <laughs> as well. Um, but my question to you is this. I, If somebody were to say eco-theater, I would immediately roll my eyes. And the, th- the, and the thought of an eco-play sounds so boring to me. At the same, Why? well, because because it's, it seems like it's going to be didactic and and preachy and all those things that you know. I love Greta Thunberg, but I can't listen to another speech of her yelling at me and yelling at world leaders again. It, that's that's what <laughs> she's upset. She of course she's upset. She's allowed to be upset, but at the same time, like I need something else. I need you know, like if we watch, uh, it, I think the the Martian is a better. Um, eco um, story than some of these eco plays. If you've ever seen The Martian, it's that Matt Damon movie where he's kind of stuck on Mars and he has to survive for like three years mm. by eating his poop potatoes and whatnot. But like, it's it's a real it's a real sense of like we can get through this. We just need to science our way out of it. But an eco play, you could argue that Skin of Our Teeth is an eco play. But nobody would call it an eco-play. They would call it a story about humanity. They would call it a story about this family. So my question to you, dear listeners, what quote-unquote eco-plays exist are out 
that are out there are working? What would you recommend? What have you seen that is doing the doing a really good job of it? I would love to read these things. I'm obviously looking for stories. I'm looking for new narratives. I'm looking for new work to do. So let me know what you're reading where you are seeing that the environment is a central character or the theme of it is about it, where it doesn't seem preachy, where it doesn't seem heavy-handed, where it's where it it is not used as a political device where you're going to turn off half of an audience because it is about this thing. I would love to know these stories. I'd love to read more things. So please send them to me. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Let's share the knowledge. Definitely. I, I think mine is what would be your version of existential creativity? What would be your contribution to existential creativity? Mm. You know, uh, if, if, we're, if, we're bringing, if we're bringing this into making it uh, tangible, you know, what is, what is your contribution to existential creativity? And it may be a changing of your, your thought narrative, but it, your thought narrative has to move into something that's cha- tangible. Mm. And, and if theater is one of the most wasteful, I mean, we just witnessed it in the podcast, one of the most wasteful um, industries, how do, you, how do you contribute to making it less wasteful? How do you call it out? Um, and, but most importantly is, what is your existential creativity? Mm. Where is your, where is your, where's your contribution? I'm really about, you know, it's like if you're going to leave a footprint, what kind of footprint are you going to leave if it's going to be an existential creative footprint? Mm. Yeah? yeah? How the hell are we, are we going to know that these people did this, Adam? They're going to go to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. It's speakpipe.com backslash theater of others, theater of others, all one word. You can leave mm. a 90 second voice message there. We'll play it on air uh, here on the podcast. If you don't want to leave a message, you want to leave it yeah, even, a, even longer thing, you can send it to podcast at Theater of Others. Um, again, we can read it here. Even if it's a question or a provocation just to us privately, we'll take it. It's fine. Um, shorter mm. shorter messages can go to Instagram, Facebook, and our website. We're on the gram, y'all. Come on now. We're on the and gram. We appreciate and you it. need to subscribe, 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 y'all. Stay in the narrative. Subscribe. That's right. <laughs> uh, we keep we keep talking about we got some really cool stuff coming on. This is episode ninety, and uh, a hundred. You know, we got ten more episodes to hundred number one hundred, and that's it's that's a big number, folks. I feel like we should do something with that, don't you think so, Booty? We should do something special with number one hundred. I think we should. Yeah. I think we should. Um, and I think we will. I think we will. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, to kind of uh, help us along, what do they need to do? Like your Uber driver. They need to give us five star, five star, five star. That's right. That's right. I give you five star. You give me five star. That's right. I give you five star. You give me five star. You give me five star. <laughs> give me five star. I'll give you a bottle of water, and, uh, and a sweet, <laughs> an empty an bottle, empty of, bottle water. of water for you to recycle. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> Adam, it's so good to see you. It's always you. great to see you. You're the highlight of my week. Yeah, same here. Same here. <laughs> Good luck on your opening night. Thanks. Thanks. Socially distanced, 35 people in the audience. Vandabam, vandabam, vandabam. Send me photos. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) 
and send love to Fan. Tell her I love her. She has woken up from and her good nap. Good luck on all of her endeavors. She's woken up from her nap. Oh, good. She's, she's up and about, moving about. Is she crawling around like a cat? <laughs> <laughs> Ready to pounce you once you get off? Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> well, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Wunderbar. And all y'all listeners, take care of yourselves. Recycle. Mm-hmm. We only have eight years left. So let's do something. Let's do something, y'all. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question. To join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey.